Hello humans, welcome to The Frontline, a leadership and business podcast brought to you by Peregrine Corporate Services, an Isle of Man-based fiduciary provider. My name is Martin Hall and thanks for listening. Today we're joined by Richard from TAG Alliance Network, nearly tongue-tied there. Welcome Richard, thanks for joining us today. Thank you Martin, it's a pleasure being here today with you. Thank you. So just a little bit of background, uh, where did you grow up? What's your, what's your homeland? Yeah, well, you probably can't tell from my accent, but I was born and grew up French. in Edinburgh, Scotland. All right, okay. <laughs> no, I was, uh, yeah, I'm actually from Scotland originally. Right. And, uh, but I was, my father's a surgeon and he moved to Canada in the early 70s. And uh, I was schooled on Vancouver Island. Uh, then finally went to university out in Ontario, Canada. Right. And uh, ended up uh, in France purportedly did doing a, uh, studies in public international law, but I was uh, really spending most of my time playing rugby there. Right. And uh, so I was playing with the racing club in Paris. Okay. Uh, is, that, is that what took you to Paris then, or took you to France, the rugby side? Uh, well, if, if you were to ask my parents, it was to, to continue my education. <laughs> <laughs> From my perspective, it was to continue my, my rugby. And... Uh, uh, which led me to back to Scotland where I obtained a British law degree okay. and continued to play rugby at that time for Scotland at the student level and with the British students. All right. Okay. And, and then I eventually got back to Canada, uh, did a Canadian law degree at Dalhousie University in Halifax and uh, was continuing to play rugby uh, at the national level with the Canadian team and and that's what led me to Vancouver, where I've been for the last almost what, 28 years. Right. Okay. So just to, just to jump back then, the, the, when you went to Paris, aside from the rugby, you were studying law there. Was that, yeah. that, what kind of area of law were you looking at at that stage? Yeah, public what and What made you go into law, I guess, is another follow-up question. Uh, well, that's interesting because my, I initially went into... Uh, medicine okay. and uh, I realized fairly early on that I wasn't uh, suited for it and um, I preferred international affairs and, and uh, that led me into the practice of law hmm. um, and then at the end of the day what uh, sort of to go full circle when I did start in practice uh, my firm uh, that I was with for quite a significant part of my career specialized in medical malpractice defense. Oh, right, okay. so I was there able to at least have some connection to the medical practice. Yeah, the right. Okay. And is that McCarthy law? Is that or perhaps not the correct, quite correct name? But, <clears throat> yeah. uh, no, I was initially at uh, McCarthy Tetro, which is a national firm. Okay. <clears throat> and then I was poached away to Harper Gray, which, uh, is one of our members of uh, tag law and the tag alliances. Okay. Uh, and it's, uh, I was a barrister there for about 20 years. Right. And okay. a partner with that firm. So I assume again, not obviously not having not done a law degree myself when you move to another country and, uh, you've then got to obviously learn mm-hmm. that you, you adapt what you know, obviously the, the, the fundamentals and then, then it's top and tail, I guess, picking up the laws of the various places mm-hmm. you're in. Yeah, you have to requalify. So right. I, you know, I had a British degree, even though we rely on English common law here in 
Canada and, and most of the provinces other than Quebec, uh, we, um, a lot of the, the courses were compatible, um, but I still had to take some Canadian courses to qualify. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So then you, uh, moved or you moved on to and the opportunity came came with tag how did that come about and i presume that was a big change for you yes uh i had brought my firm into tag law in 2002 and so we were very involved in the organization um, the firm went from being a mid-sized litigation focused firm uh, to a global firm overnight once we came into the Alliance. Oh, right, okay. um, we started to receive files from all over the world. We were able to compete with national and international uh, firms for that work. And uh, it really allowed the firm to grow and develop uh, in a, a very robust and, and dynamic uh, a business law uh, program. And uh, so the firm went from about 50 four lawyers at the time we joined to I think almost 90 lawyers now right. and uh, has really strengthened its commercial uh, corporate commercial department and commercial corporate commercial litigation department as well. Right. We, um, and, and through that, uh, you know, I was attending a lot of the, uh, the international conferences and regional meetings of the organization. Uh, we, we were also, I joined the advisory board. Um, the founder, Peter Appleton Jones, was a former IBM executive who, uh, 20 odd years ago, had tried to get uh, law firms in various jurisdictions to deal with um, issues, legal issues that he was facing, right. and uh, was finding it difficult to find fully vetted firms in other jurisdictions that were local and independent firms that could provide the the type of advice he needed. So he decided to create his own network and uh, was very successful in doing it. In 2003, he, he was a bit of a visionary. He decided that um, he wanted to go multidisciplinary. So he brought on an accounting uh, network um, and, and slowly integrated into a very strong and, and dynamic uh, multidisciplinary organization. Yeah. About, uh, I think it was seven years ago now, I can't believe it was so long ago, um, <laughs> he approached my wife and I. My wife is a, a chartered professional accountant, uh, formerly with KPMG, and she had been practicing in both the public and private accounting space for a number of years. And he said, I'm 77 years old, uh, who better to take over a an international alliance of lawyers and accountants than a lawyer and an accountant. <laughs> uh, we looked at it and you know, both of us, I was, um, had been a partner with my firm for many years and uh, had a very strong practice and uh, was still enjoying the, the work that I was doing. Um, my wife was working in the private equity side and, uh, um, but we, we saw this as a tremendous opportunity. We had always loved our interactions and relationships developed through the Alliance. And, you know, after considering it and, and talking to, you know, our, our bank and other advisors, we, we eventually took over the organization. Right. And uh, so that was in 2015. I uh, can't believe it's been five years, but they've gone by very quickly. And, yeah. <clears throat> and since then it's been, 
it was a, a fabulous transition because it was fully supported by the membership. They, um, you know, we had, we had developed some very uh, deep personal relationships with members, not only on the professional level, but on a personal level. Mm. And uh, they, you know, they were very helpful through the transition to continue to, to build the organization. Um, we were able to bring on a number of close connections um, onto our advisory board, and uh, they provided us with the support, mentorship, uh, to be able to continue to lead the organization forward. Mm-hmm. And so we've taken it, you know, I think at the time that we took over, there was about uh, 230 members. We're almost 300 members today, right. in five yeah. years. and. Uh, and then the average a- annual aggregate revenue of all of our members um, has gone from about uh, $3.1 billion to $4.8 wow. uh, as of 2019. And, uh, yeah, right. and that's hasn't, you know, although we brought on a number of new members, uh, we, we've really been able to upgrade members uh, where necessary, bring on very prominent firms. We, we decided to target um, some of the top U.S. accounting firms because we thought they would bring in um, real added value to the organization. And, and it did in that it's brought in increased work engagements between all of the members. Yeah. And another thing we did was in uh, slowly over the last five years, we brought on a number of strategic partners. Um, Peregrine, for one, with their corporate services and trust company is one of our uh, tag strategic partners. And we brought on a number of other organizations, either financial institutions, insurance brokerages, other um, corporate service trust companies that have really given us a competitive advantage over other uh, multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary networks and, and even the traditional legal and accounting networks in that um, those organizations not only want to um, market and, and sell their products and services that are vital to uh, lawyers and accountants, but also they retain our, our lawyers and accountants worldwide, or they, um, they drive their clients towards our, our members if they have legal and accounting needs in various jurisdictions around the world. All right. So I was going to kind of ask, and that kind of partly answers the question there about tag obviously the what there's there are a number of networks out there and what i suppose what you feel key key the key skills that the the networks and and specifically tag offer offer firms that want to join networks yeah well it's it's different there there used to be just the traditional legal networks and that was more referral based and uh, say with the accounting network the traditional accounting networks it was more for professional development, so more technical training was provided by the networks. Ours is different because ours is based more on uh, business development, uh, connections. You want to have trusted advisors around the world. Uh, you know, if I have a client uh, who's got operations in the Middle East or, or in Asia, to be able to send them to trusted advisors that are fully vetted firms in in those locations to provide the same type of uh, level of service that are demanded of our clients and uh, locally. And, and also it provided an opportunity to develop uh, real 
quality personal relationships with mm-hmm. lawyers and accountants around the world. Uh, you know, the best thing was being able to have a client come into my office, have a need to do an investigation in Poland and be able to just pick up the phone and call mm-hmm. the, the lawyer accountant that I knew in that jurisdiction. Yeah, and that provides a great retention tool for your, uh, for your client. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's certainly a tool I've seen over my time working in, uh, in networks is that ability yeah, to pick the phone up to a, to a, a, an alliance member somewhere else in the, in the globe and know that, uh, you know, they've been through the various processes and, and it's not, it's not a cold call in essence, is it? It's a, it's a, it's, even if you've not spoken to them before, there's that, that common commonality already. Right. What it does, what our organization and, and a lot of these, um, alliances provide you know some of them are just a database of names and and they don't care where somebody's located whereas for us particularly with the lawyers they they require territorial exclusivity Um, the accountants not as much although we still um, grant them specific uh, jurisdictions as their territorial exclusivity although we don't require that our members have to use our firms exclusively. Yeah, um, we've rec- we recognized early on, and um, that everybody's got their different business development focuses, and uh, and so we want people to have connections wherever they are. Um, if we have vacancies, then we send them to other organizations um, that we work with uh, to get that advice in in those uh, those countries where we don't have a member. Uh, we're pretty well covered because we have uh, members in over 110 countries. Um, and, uh, but they, you know, we're not just growing and adding members for the sake of it. Uh, we're not just getting the biggest member or the, or, you bring or, it in to make sure they add value. Yeah. Well, we're also creating a community and that's the one uh, distinguishing factor about the tag alliances. It's a very strong community. The firms that come in are, you know, we only choose them if they're a fit for the organization, yeah. very like-minded in their approach and, and culture, and, and culture is key. And, and what you'll find uh, with, with our organization as opposed to some of the others is that um, it is a, a tremendous community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a great example is uh, we've, you know, we were, I went to the Isle of Man um, with my father following a European um, European regional meeting in Belfast and he wanted always wanted to get back to the island man because he had his honeymoon there and those oh, right, and okay. that, right. that was the place to go yeah yeah back in the day <clears throat> and and what I did I organized a meeting of our three members on the island so you have Peregrine as our tag strategic partner Brown Crane our TIAG uh, international accounting group member and uh, DQ advocates as yeah. our legal member and we got them and I did a presentation uh, to them on uh, unlocking the benefits of the of the organization and, and talked about how critical it was to have this uh, close relationship amongst all of our members within a specific jurisdiction and one of the comments was that we really appreciate you coming here because this is the first time we've ever gotten together yeah, yeah. and I thought you know you guys work Five minutes from each yeah, other. Yeah. Yeah. A long I way, five believe. minutes in the Isle of Man. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but but what was what was incredible from that was we went back and we held a, 
uh, regional meeting on the in Douglas um, three years later, or maybe two two or three years later, and the three firms on the Alaman got up and did a presentation talking about their new integration and their collaboration together, the cross marketing and also the ability to go out and and market and business develop on the island together and how they've now um, gotten involved with the Ministry of Enterprise and, and some of the work that they were doing jointly yeah. with them. And it was extraordinary. It floored us the level of interaction that they've now had yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Since, since that date. And, like that, yeah. <clears throat> and so it was fabulous to see. And I suppose on that point of, I suppose of networking for our listeners, if you had to give it or give advice on on networking and skills and things that people should be looking at what from your years of experience what would what would kind of tips be around that yeah what i what i found is you have to be proactive and uh, you know, a lot of lawyers and accountants are mostly reactive right and and what i would always tell everybody my biggest files came out of uh introductions I had obtained at international and regional meetings or just by calling up uh, lawyers and accountants that I knew had clients within my jurisdiction and you know clients who operate around the world but particularly have subsidiaries or maybe a parent office in in Vancouver and just by those discussions i was able to get leads that you know certainly i would have to go out and land the client but uh one of the real benefits was um you especially if you're at an international conference you can contact the client there and you've yeah. got that personal introduction so a great example i was at a conference in london and uh i knew an environmental lawyer who uh, worked for vivende some of the largest waste management companies in the world I knew he had a lot of international multinational clients that operated in in Canada and in the United States. And and I just asked him, I said, Do you have any personal contacts you can introduce me to uh, within my jurisdiction? He said, you know, the only person I can think of is somebody who's in Washington State in a place called Bothell, Washington. Well, I happen to know Bothell because I go down there through there to see my brother who lives in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, you, would you provide an introduction? He said, yeah, absolutely. Let's give him a call. So, you know, because it was uh, behind the time and uh, when we were in London in the evening, we gave him a call. It was early morning in, in Washington and uh, we had a really nice chat with him. <clears throat> I ended up going out and meeting with him in, in Seattle. And from that, uh, we ended up handling their largest acquisition ever of right. the, the largest uh, environmental consultancy in Canada, which led to all kinds of litigation where they owned a remediation facility in, in the province of Saskatchewan. We had to deal with that. They, with the disinvestment of it, we had to deal with some of the other uh, liabilities, also severance and, and workplace issues uh, with respect to all of their offices. And we ended up having to retain every a tag law member across Canada, and so seven seven of them, and uh, and eventually the company moved it back into the states, and and they needed advice. We were able to um, use our our members throughout the United States. At the end of the day, the firm still acts for them, handling yeah. all of their workplace issues. 
they probably build over $5 million. Oh, okay. uh, and, and they've had this tremendous relationship. That all came out of a five-minute conversation yeah, yeah. in well, London. Being, at the start, they're being proactive. Right, and it happens all the time. What we say to our members before they attend our events or even for virtual events is um, have an intention of who you want to speak to. Yeah. <clears throat> understand who has industry within your jurisdiction and then go out and obtain those contacts. Very simply done. Yeah. And, and get those introductions. As long as you've got that door opener, uh, you'll be able to, usually if you've got any business development savvy, you'll be able to land the client. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, we've, we've seen that over and over again. That's what's happening now. And, uh, and so in a lot of the meetings, they, they discuss mutual clients or clients that they can provide introductions to uh, in these various jurisdictions. And, you know, I know we, we t I've talked to Basil about that in many of times when he's going down to Africa, we're, we're looking for recommendations. We're putting them in touch with specific organizations there. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that I've, you know, one of my strengths when I was at my former firm was I was the marketing partner and it was looking at new ways to drive work to the firm locally. And, uh, and by joining the, this international alliance, it really helped increasing the volume of work coming into the firm, but also developing connections uh, through the organization with other firms around, around the world. And, and they would drive their clients or prospective clients who had operations in, in Vancouver to us. But now I'm able to do it on a global level. So one of the things that our organization takes pride in doing is being able to go out and approach multinationals, uh, international organizations and and associations and let them know what we provide and it's that local independent firm uh, that's very uh, it's it's something that they they see now particularly with budgetary budgetary concerns as important rather than going to you know the big four or or international law firms yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so we've seen a number of uh, international organizations that we've approached now using our members in numerous jurisdictions around the world. Interesting. Um, okay. And I was just going to ask, I suppose, more on a, I know one of the things you're very interested to switch subjects slightly is in, in coaching. <clears throat> uh, maybe just expand a little bit on, on that and you, how you, how you, what we do for, sure. We, uh, one of the things I'll do and, and it's something that uh, we're going to have to switch to virtually, but, uh, we haven't we haven't had any issue with that because um, we as an organization work remotely ourselves. We've got an office in Vancouver with a number of our staff here. We've got um, a team in St. Petersburg, Florida, where uh, the former the founder of the organization had set up a base, and uh, and then an office in London. And so we work remotely um, through those offices, and it's worked quite seamlessly. Um, what we would do in the past uh, when international travel was open was <laughs> I would go and conduct presentations like I did in, in the Isle of Man um, to all of our, our members in those jurisdictions and bring them together and then um, provide them with tips and, and ideas and coaching on how to get the most out of the organization and not just to look at it from the, um, the referral point uh, which a lot of lot of 
people join these organizations and just think the phone's going to start ringing and, and work's going to come in the door. Yeah. No, yeah. the firms that are successful are the ones that go out and they're, as I said, are proactive, uh, develop these deep uh, personal relationships with other members and are trusted. And, and those members have confidence in them to send their clients. Yeah, and yeah. they're always ones looking at new ways to get work into their organization. And, and then we always promote that. And it's, it's, it's just, for me, it's through communication and connection that you're, you're going to be successful. Yeah. So interestingly, you mentioned, cause I was just, I was just going to ask about communication. Your, I presume you, well, what your views or your, again, sharing your experience of communication and certainly around the globe and different cultures, how do you, you know, again, advice or, or tips for people listening around those subjects? Yeah, well, the, I, I don't know, I find it fairly simple. We, you know, I think we, so long as you've got a background of relatedness with somebody around the globe, um, it's very easy to communicate with them. Yeah, right. uh, all of our members are competent in English and, uh, and they love it when we come to their jurisdiction, they want to show it off. Uh, they, they want to show you how successful they're, they're doing within that jurisdiction. And, you know, what, what this has done with the new virtual world is, uh, allowed us to see, to develop more personal relationships with them. Yeah. It's incredible when you see their backgrounds or their family members or, you know, just the books they have behind them when, uh, when they're on Zoom. It's uh, incredible what you can learn about a person. And, and yeah. we're finding we're, we're developing very uh, stronger personal relationships with, with our members as a result of that. Yeah, so you're adapting quite quickly with the, I know obviously a lot of firms are adapting quickly to the to the. Well, we had, we had to because we were... Uh, meant to be running an international conference in Philadelphia in in May, early May. Um, we invoked our force majeure clause on that, uh, and that showed you the strength of the organization. We had a very prominent uh, local uh, tag law member law firm in Philadelphia that really assisted us in providing the leverage um, with all of our service providers in in um, Philadelphia to be able to uh, cancel and the, the contract, terminate the contracts and, and cancel the conference. It was a tricky time for us because we have, you know, when you're organizing these events, you have significant pre-conference deposits yeah, out there course, you know, yeah. on the, you know, half a million dollar range. And so uh, to be able to recover those quickly in the face of a pandemic that's causing all this loss to particularly destination management companies, hotels, and, and event planners. Um, we had to get in there quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, first of all, understand, can we invoke the provision? Um, learned a lot about force majeure and impossibility clauses at the time. And, uh, but ha having that local leverage certainly helped in being able to, to cancel it. But then we had to quickly adapt by uh, converting it to a virtual international conference, which we did. And we did it over the, the month of May. Uh, we pivoted qu very quickly because we understood the technology. We'd been working with Zoom for a number of years now. And uh, it, uh, it proved to be very successful and very welcomed by our members that we were able to do it so quickly and seamlessly. 
we, we did it once, uh, twice a week for three hours on each day. The attendance numbers were tremendous and yeah. really, really showed how quickly we could adapt to technology. And I assume ultimately, like, like most businesses, a lot of that will just, just be kept, won't it? The, 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 the virtual conferences to save travel, save cost, convenience. Because uh, yeah, not used I, to it, but accepted it's, it's, a, it's a productive way of doing it. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Although you, you just can't beat those in-person no, meetings. Yeah. And, and that's what we've, what we've learned through this process is, you know, everybody's enjoyed the, although they're, they're getting a bit of fatigue with all of the, the number of virtual meetings and yeah. webinars. And, um, and it's usually when it's more relaxed, you know, we had a, a tag um, virtual open house for 16 hours on, on yeah. one of the days. And, and that proved to be uh, the more engaging a session right. that we had and, and allowed our members to come in and just talk to each other and express empathy and compassion and talk about some of the, uh, the issues that they're facing. And, and it was really welcomed by our members. Um, you know, I, I expect we'll continue with the, the digital format, uh, virtual format. Um, maybe, maybe some of our regional meetings and other ones, uh, while while we're these restrictions are in place for travel, yeah. um, we'll continue with it. But and do you uh, do you miss law? Uh, well, I I still hold my license to practice. Oh. Um, I I was I was still had a couple of cases left over when I when I left my firm. I promised the clients that I would continue with them. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, but fortunately, those have settled now. Yeah, right. um, I've been asked uh, primarily because of this pandemic and what it's caused in the, for the world economy to come back to, you know, I've been approached by about four different law firms to come and do some insolvency litigation for them because right. they're being overwhelmed. Uh, I have no desire to do that. I'm, <laughs> I'm really enjoying what I'm continuing to yeah, do, yeah. we want to continue to build. There's still lots of opportunity. We're, we're getting applications in daily from firms around the world right. looking at going because with, with global immobility now, um, they need those connections in other jurisdictions to be able to help their clients navigate all the new government regulations, uh, stimulus packages, uh, restrictions, um, all the new guidelines for how you know return to work and for uh, workplace issues also you know if you're an auditor and you're having to do an audit count in the past you just jump on a plane go out and, and check out the factory well you can't do that now so you have to have somebody locally there to to handle it yeah absolutely those connections are critical and uh, and so more you know as i said we're seeing um, a great boost in our recruitment because firms are looking to have those connections. And, yeah, right. and so it, it's, it was a real surprise to me because you would have thought with uh, some of the financial issues that, um, you know, a number of uh, members and a number of uh, organizations are facing that uh, they would put things on pause, but, you know, they're recognizing that there's still growth opportunities available so yeah, long yeah. as they have those connections. Yeah, no, interesting. And uh, outside of work, what's what? What do you get up to? Yeah, well, um, I play a lot of tennis and uh, golf. Fortunately, 
the golf courses are open. I, I okay. used to play. I played a lot of golf with Basil, and uh, and I love the is it Castletown on the, yeah, yeah. on the yeah. Isle of Man, and you know they've got some tremendous courses there. What's uh, the handicap? Um, <laughs> changes on a, any given yeah. day. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm around a thirteen to fifteen. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good um, from what I know of golf, which isn't a lot. Well, but not yeah, not not playing for a while is uh, hasn't helped, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can get back to that. Um, but then you know, one of the things that being at home, we've we've now got our four children back here, so uh, they're all they're all university age, but uh, that's taken a bit of getting used to since we were meant to be empty nesters. Yeah, right? well, you got rid of them. Yeah, we thought we thought we got rid of them. <laughs> Um, I, I play the piano, so I've been, uh, able to play a bit more than I normally would. Okay. Uh, as I, you know, uh, in the, in the normal world prior, uh, pre COVID, um, I was traveling a lot, you know, traveling between offices, uh, yeah. doing presentations at firms, going and recruiting, um, attending the international events. You know, I did about, uh, 200 days of travel last year. Right. Wow. To, to be with members well that's now being cut off and uh, so i'm spending a lot more time at home it's yeah, giving yeah. me the opportunity to uh, and, and what's the piano is that just a hobby uh yeah i you know i started when i was young and uh i've always i've kept it up fortunately yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so now it's uh giving me the opportunity to uh, yeah. play a bit more yeah and, i don't think uh, i can never see myself playing the piano i don't think i've got the coordination yeah. uh for just a couple of final points before uh for our listeners if you had any kind of book recommendations whether that's business orientated or just, just yeah yeah read, no. what, what 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 tickles you one, one of the a couple of the books i've been reading lately one was uh a book by gihan Pereira, who was our keynote in um in sydney australia in last last uh, October, and he's written a book, Disruption by Design, which is okay. uh, <laughs> which is obviously a pre-COVID written book. But uh, yeah. he's a futurist, and uh, and it's an appropriate book to be reading at this yeah, time. Exactly. It deals with you know leading the change in a fast-changing world. Okay. And even though Guillaume didn't predict the global pandemic when writing the book, uh, he understood that in the modern world, leaders have to be proactive and that's his, and to innovate, to stay ahead of any disruption. Yeah. And so it's a great book to read um, okay. uh, at this time. I've also been reading uh, the book TED Talks, which is the official TED guide to public speaking. And it, okay. And it, and the one thing it teaches is how storytelling is very powerful at getting your message mm-hmm. message out. And uh, it's well, been a great book. I'll get the also, links and uh, I'll yeah. the footnotes of the podcast. So sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. That TED Talk and, one does sound interesting. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and, and then the, la- the last books I've been reading on the fiction side, um, being written by uh, a very good friend of mine who's actually an emergency room doc in, in Vancouver. Right, and he's an international bestseller. So he writes when he's when he's on the night shift. He writes, and uh, oh, right. so he's written a number of books. Some some have been uh, converted into movies. One is called Pandemic, which is appropriate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Time. The other is uh, called We All Fall Down. Okay, uh, both, right. okay, both international bestsellers talking about these pandemics, and within We All Fall 
down. It's talking about the black plague and, you know, an oh, antibiotic okay. resistant plague that comes out and it's got a, a whole historical story behind it. It's, it's a yeah, fabulous yeah. book. Sounds, um, sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, he's a very talented guy. So it's a, right. a book it? of a, uh, Daniel Kalla, K-A-L-L-A. Scare the hell out of you with oh, right. reading. But, uh, you know, it's, it's similar to watching the movie Contagion. I watched it with my, my kids uh, a couple of, um, it's spooky, a couple isn't it? months ago, right yeah. before this. And you, right. you thought, okay, this is too close to the boat. Yeah, I'd never even heard of it. And I, it's, it's on Netflix and I, I caught it two weeks ago. And it was like, it was like it was recorded last week. It was yeah. just everything from washing your hands to distance, social distance and to all yeah. the language that we've all, all this new language that we've learned in the last nine weeks. Uh, and people coming out with these miracle cures to yeah. boost the market. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We know about yeah. that, don't we? <laughs> so if, uh, if the listeners want to reach out to you, either yourself, well, yourself and or the, the, the network, the Alliance, yes. what's the best ways to do that? So I can be reached at Richard at Tag Alliances. That's okay. alliances with an S dot com. Yeah. And okay. uh, our website, um, which has all of our contact information as well as www.tagalliances.com. Yeah, okay. Again, tag alliances with an S. Yeah. The alliance, the reason it's the alliances is made up of three divisions. Uh, tag law, which is our legal division, which has about 165 uh, law firms. Um, TIAG, which is our the international accounting group, which has 130 accounting firms around the world, and then TAG SP, our strategic partner division, which Paragon is part of, um, um, yeah. which has has a number of members that make up uh, the organization. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, we'll add them to our uh, show notes on the on the various channels this comes out on. So appreciate your time. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for having me. No pleasure. And. Uh, as you're a few hours, or a lot of hours behind you, we're heading into the weekend and you can finish your day working. <laughs> Not to poke, but it's, uh, no, thank you, Richard, and much appreciated for joining us. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. Right. Thank you for listening, folks.